Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. Yankees on Deck, presented by Fellman Brothers Automotive. Here's the 0-1. Swung on and driven to deep left field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Lead you up to Yankees baseball on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Bayheim! Woo! Wow, is that silence in a little bit? Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Don't up. Fit. Pop pass up in the middle. Got Tucker's it. got it. Ruby run. 15, 10. Hit, oh. hit in! Gregory's touchdown! The Bills make me wanna shout. Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. In go to the end zone! Stephon Diggs makes the catch! Touchdown, Buffalo! Swing into this! It is over! Boston Red Sox, baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On the Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. Radio 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica, heard on 96.5 FM, heard wherever you are, wherever you are doing the ESPN app. I uh, did that today. I uh, grit my teeth and I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to listen to Orange Nation. Uh, Got to do it. Held my nose the whole time. I'm kidding. But I did it on the ESPN app because that's what I was doing. I was out. I was about. I was walking the dogs, doing some things. Said, but I, I wanted to listen to Syracuse Athletic Director John Wildhack on these very airwaves. I wanted to listen to my uh, new colleague at Syracuse.com and the new beat reporter for Syracuse football and somebody all of you should uh, give a follow to on social media. Of course, read her work as well. Emily Liker, a, a podcast may have been born from that conversation. Uh, Emily has her own podcast, but uh, Paulie, Emily, and I are going to geek out at some point here on Star Wars. So this is a very productive thing for me to do today, for once, to listen to Orange Nation. And I did on the ESPN app by pulling up the app and you find live audio and there's ESPN Syracuse right there on the list of stations you can listen to. And it's a beautiful thing. Technology, friends. What do they think of next? Technology scares me in a lot of ways, too. Like, you ever see those videos... It's like, what is it, Boston Dynamics, I believe. And they're always putting those videos out of, like, the robots they have and those dogs and those robots that are, like, doing flips and stuff. I'm just like, no. That's just no, no, no. They're coming for us, and it scares the living crap out of me. And I just, can you please stop creating the things that are going to take over when Skynet takes over and we're all, we're all in for it. So... The technology not good there. Technology good when you listen to the show wherever you are or watch this show wherever you are on QSportsTalk.com via Twitch. Great way to keep in touch. Chat throughout the show in the live chat and kind of get your own conversation during radio breaks as well at QSportsTalk.com. So however you're taking in the show today, greatly appreciate that. Getting over this hump on a Wednesday, June the 29th. July is approaching. Fourth of July weekend is approaching. Summer is 
settling in. And summer, as we like to say around here, is just killing time till football season. So we're going to have a guest on today that applies to that. That is our friend Eric McLean, ACC Network football analyst. He is also the co-host of the terrific uh, Gramlick and McLean podcast, which he does with our friend Kelly Gramlick, formerly of 105.5 The Roar, the second greatest radio station name in the country besides this fine station you're listening to. Uh, Kelly, uh, more focused now on the ACC network and her podcast role and some things she's doing, and Eric and Kelly do an amazing job and pretty focused on the ACC, a lot of things happening on the ACC. So we'll have Eric on today to get his thoughts on the new scheduling model. I can't imagine anybody would not have a good thought on it, but I wanted to see what he thinks that can do for Syracuse, what it can do for the league, the quarterbacks top to bottom in the ACC, many of which are going to play Syracuse this fall and kind of get his ranking of them. I want to get his outside looking in perspective on something we'll get into a little bit more here today about Dino Babers and hot seats and all that kind of thing and Syracuse football coming into the year, what kind of year he thinks Sean Tucker can have and all the football things. So Eric McLean, ACC Network, will join us about an hour from now. I always love chatting with him. Uh, name, image, and likeness is almost a year old when uh, the NCAA basically turned down the fire hose and said, okay, everybody go with no guidance, with no rules. with <laughs> And still, a year later, I think everybody's still trying to figure that out. Speaking of John Wildhack, he said something during Orange Nation today that really got my spidey senses up. And I'll tell you a little bit about kind of some things I've heard in that department. A year in, with everybody still, Syracuse included, trying to figure out, I mean, we I, we have a basis of how it works, but are we, are we breaking rules by doing this? And, you know, Wild Hack had some comments yesterday at his press conference that we'll revisit about name, image, and likeness. We're going to do it the right way. What is the right way? Like, literally, I'm asking that question. I don't know. How do you cheat in name, image, and likeness when there's no, I mean, they, you kind of know it when you see it, but there's no guidance here. So, We will get into that a little bit. Interesting thing brought up today by uh, the always interesting Chris Mad Dog Russo about Aaron Judge, who hit another home run today, by the way. So the Yankees just keep steamrolling people. Uh Uh-oh, Mets lost three in a row for the first time this season there. I think Josh is uh, curled up in the fetal position out there in the bullpen upon the arrival of that news. But uh, we'll get into that. O'Shea Brissett. Back with the Pacers. As we were kind of getting into around draft time, the O'Shea Brissett plan is the one that Buddy Beheim and I think Cole Swider, has an opportunity to follow as well. So we'll dive into that during hot takes as well. But uh, we start today with the, the kind of something we discussed yesterday. But That's hot. Yes, nice uh, transition there. Who's afraid of the big, bad hot seat? So I was curious what the feedback, what the reaction, what the kind of tenor of this would be. Because remember, at this time yesterday, we came on the air, we reacted to John Wildhack's press conference, but not everybody had seen it. We were kind of informing a lot of people about what was said. We were playing the clips. We focused on that. I think a lot of people were like, well, where did this come from, right? Because not everybody's on Twitter all day, and it wasn't like a widely broadcast press conference. They didn't run it live on Qs.com or we didn't run it live on the radio or anything. It was you know, something that was done, and, and we always appreciate getting access to John and his thoughts on these things. It was an end-of-the-year press conference, right? So a number of topics were discussed. A number of questions were asked. 
certainly the status of Dino Babers was asked about because this was kind of an end-of-the-year presser, but also looking ahead. I mean, before we know it here, it's going to be training camp, and we're going to be getting into these conversations. And no matter how you slice it, the status of Dino Babers as head coach of the Orange is going to be a topic. And I think any way you slice it, he is on the hot seat. And we have to be a – let me reframe that. We have to stop – being afraid to say that because more than one thing can be true at the same time. Now, again, since you've had time to absorb it, maybe you read about it today. Maybe you read my column about it today. Maybe you heard more about it. Whereas yesterday we were all kind of taken in at the same time. Let me remind you that it was John Wildhack who brought up the hot seat. He was not asked a question specific to that term. He brought it up. He put it on the table. I wouldn't want to speak for John, but it feels like he kind of had that ready in case it was brought up about Dino's status. So it's not framed as a question. Hey, John, is Dino on the on the hot seat? Now, I didn't ask a question yesterday because it was addressed, but one question I was going to ask was just point blank, will Dino Babers be back as your head coach if you don't make a bowl game? I think that's a fair question. I think the expectation, no matter how you slice the pie, is if they don't make a bowl game, it's in question here. Now you start going through the layers. You go five and seven again, even in a similar manner to how you went five and seven a year ago. Remember they had that stretch where they lost three games in a row, all by three points, down to the wire. And go back to it, that Florida State game, bogus non-call, the holding call that didn't get thrown the flag didn't get thrown. That was complete BS, and it held him back against Florida State, right? And those games in the middle of the season, Clemson didn't have a typical Clemson year. They were terrible on the offensive side of the ball. Syracuse loses that game by three points. They lose in overtime to Wake Forest, who was the best team in the ACC last year. Pittsburgh won the ACC, so I should say one of the best teams. They faced off in the ACC championship game, but Wake Forest had, you know, their Syracuse 2018 season last year. That came right down on the wire. But see, that's the conversation here. That's the bottom line. It's a lot of wouldas, couldas, shouldas, and almosts. In football, when you make these decisions, and you make these decisions at an athletic director level, it has to be bottom line. It has to be numbers. It has to be wins and losses. At some point, it has to be about football. Because right now, the defense of Dino Babers has a lot to do with other things. And I don't think that Wild Hack's reasoning about why he's not on the hot seat adds up. Now, look, at the end of the day, there's one man that makes that decision. He's certainly going to have consultation from a lot of people and will take a lot of opinions into account here. He knows what the boosters are saying. He knows what Ken Severud wants. He knows what he has told. Dino Babers about his job status and what they've done to improve the program. And let me reiterate, they have done a lot. It's not like they sat around all offseason like, yeah, that's too bad we went 5-7. and seven. We're just going to stay the course. No, they switched up the coaching staff and have done a lot to make things better. But let me revisit the clips so you can hear them and we can hear them again how it came up yesterday. So he was asked by Stephen Bailey about Dino Babers. It was not a the hot seat was not mentioned in the question. It was just a matter of, you know, what do you think about Dino's status coming into this year? And there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to win and get to a bowl game. And all those things are true. I mean, folks, 
it's one of those moments where we got to put our big boy pants on here. This is big boy, big time college football. Where we're talking about results, we're talking about wins and losses, we're talking about the highest paid employee at Syracuse University, and what comes with that when you're, you know, you're in a world where you're saying we're in big time competitive ACC college football, one winning season in six years. Least amount of ACC wins since they came into the ACC. Two of those years, to be fair, were not under Babers, but it's still the case since 2016 on when he's been the head coach. Losing record. These are all things that would concern anybody in that position. So back to what was said yesterday. Here is John Wildhead. I think what Dino has done with the four new assistants that he's brought in and the return of the six incumbent assistant coaches, I think is really important. We've reshuffled the recruiting department. I can't say much about recruiting, but I like the momentum that we've established in recruiting. Um, that's, I can't say anything specifically about any individual player. So I think football's had a really good offseason. One more from John Wilder. I, I feel good about the trajectory of the program. You know, the 2022 schedule's daunting, as we know it, but I think you know, it's really easy to say, well, okay, let's come out with the list, right? And, and the you know, who's on the hot seat? Dino's not on the hot seat, okay? Dino's not on the hot seat. I'm really pleased with what we've done in the past six months. And I think it's a table setter for what we can accomplish in 2022 and beyond. You're right, Coach and I and Coach Beck, uh, totally unexpected that they would become a valid. Terrific additions. You know, Bob Ugaszewski, he's won a Super Bowl. You know, with the Steelers, he is you know, a special teams coordinator, cut right out of central casting. Michael Johnson, wide receiver coach, is coach at a very, very high level, a really good recruiter, a really good developer of talent. So I, I, I like where we're headed. I totally understand his thoughts there. I totally understand that the athletic director wouldn't come out and say it. He could if he wanted to. Because like I said, we got our big boy pants on here. Yeah, Guys, we don't get to a bowl game. I've got to strongly consider a coaching change here. There's only so long we can do this. That's not Wild Hack's approach. That's not his tact. He's going to back his coach till the moment he can't anymore or won't anymore. Or, by the way, folks, again, don't be afraid of the big, bad hot seat. You can get on the hot seat, but it's not one of those situations. It's not the Hotel California. You can check in, but you can't check out kind of thing, right? You can get off the hot seat. They win six games this year. You're off the hot seat. You made a bowl game. All systems go forward. That's a reasonable accomplishment to say, okay, new coaches worked. Everything that you said you would do worked. You had a tough schedule, which, again, I think will be used as an excuse if they don't get there. Big boy pants. Big-time college football. You got a tough schedule? Welcome to ACC football. And it's this that I brought up a little bit yesterday, but I wanted to kind of expand on a little bit here that Wild Hack brought up about the, the cottage industry of you know, people in my line of work that discuss these things on radio shows and make lists and write stories. And here's the Again, all you know, the hot lists and who's on the hot seat and all that, it's a, it's a cottage industry, right, as you know, and it generates the hits and the clicks, and we get all that. But those of us here, we get to see the changes that have and no one understands that more, frankly, than John Wildhack, who, remember, it's been six years, but was an executive at ESPN. Okay, ESPN is in that cottage industry of making lists like this. And if, you know, Wildhack was a producer of a first take or a get up or a show like that, he was 
you know, above that. He was at one point at ESPN, like near second, third in charge, making big time decisions and contracts with television deals and suspending talent. And you know, Wild Hector suspended Kurt Schilling when he was getting into trouble. And there's just a lot of those things, which you do as an executive of the worldwide leader in sports. But Wild Hack knows this because he comes from a media background. So let's just say, for argument's sake, Stephen A. Smith and company are discussing the big-time college football coaches. Or, you know, it doesn't even have to be first take as much as we love first take. What did the Knicks have? What did the Knicks have? As much as we love Stephen A. and company. The ACC Network, any of these ESPN-produced shows, when they start doing previews of the upcoming season, and you're looking at coaches and you're looking at storylines, I got news for you. How are they going to label Dino Babers? How could you label it other than, and you know what? If you don't like the semantics of hot seat, pick another term if it bothers you so much. His job's on the line. He's got to win. Oh, boy, he better get to a bowl game. They better show improvement. Man, they had a great season last year, almost got over the hump, competitive. Sean Tucker, great year. There's a lot of good things going for Syracuse football, many of which I have discussed. Okay, I'm fair about this stuff. I'm not going to sit here and, and shove all the good stuff in the corner just to make my point. Sean Tucker, Mikel Jones, Andre Schmidt, best cornerback duo in the ACC, in my opinion, and Garrett Williams and Deuce Chestnut. I think that Garrett Schrader's got to prove he can throw the football, and that's one of the things. Robert and I and Jason Beck are going to come in and see that was part of the reasoning per that clip I just played from Wild Hag. Oh, well, he's not on the hot seat because I like the offseason they had. No, it's the other way. You made those changes to get off the hot seat, right, to make improvement, to bring Syracuse football forward. I get why Wild Hag can't say it, won't say it. Totally understand that. I get what his job is, and he doesn't have to. But he doesn't get to, you know, he's not in control of that label. Just because, and he has the most power in this conversation, but just because he doesn't think Dino's on the hot seat doesn't mean he isn't. I mean, he is. By all definitions here. One winning season in six years. Losing record. The only time they had more than two ACC wins was in that 2018 season. The recruiting rankings. The number of ACC wins. I mean, all the important cold, hard facts. Ironic that I say cold, hard facts because what they lead to is, yep. Now, to an extent, every coach's job is on the line. But we're past cliches. We're past all these generalities here. Well, we want to win more, Brent, as John Wildhack said yesterday, for a different question I asked. I mean, we're kind of past that. Does he have to draw a line in the sand? Actually, he doesn't, because I think we all kind of know what's on the line. But I think everybody also looks at it and says, there's, there's some what-ifs here. There's some yeah-buts. He can talk his way out of five and seven. Here's the thing, though. You go six and six, you go to a bowl game. And by the way, you can win more than six games. You're more than welcome to. But that's like the finish line they want to get to. You win the hand. Here are the chips. No question about it. You go five and seven or worse, you have to bluff. And I don't mean like lie to people, which, let's face it, athletic directors have to do that sometimes. I mean bluff, like try and get the other players in the poker game to fold and bluff your way through it and kind of distract from 
what's right there and try and get somebody off their game to win the hand. Not just like, boom, here are my cards. It's a flush. I win the hand. That's the risk you take. He stuck his neck out there, and that's what athletic directors do. They take that risk. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it backfires on you. He gave a strong endorsement to Coach Q at this time last year. That backfired on him. There were some things there maybe he didn't know, and you learn your lessons, but you know, you stick up for your coaches if you believe in them, and that's admirable. But I think we all can be big boys and girls about this and put our big boys and girls' pants on. He has to win. He knows it. That's why they made those changes. All those things that Wild Hack was encouraged by, per the clips I just played, they had to do that to get better. They had to do that in order to, you know, just put it as blunt as we can here, save the coach's job and move the program forward. We're going to have plenty of time to get into the particulars of this because I think deep down, here's the deep, dark secret that I think feel like a lot of people don't want to talk about out loud, but a lot of people feel. If this doesn't work, and by this, I mean this whole thing, Dino Babers, head coach, if that doesn't work, all things considered and everything we have seen to this point that people like, the locker room speeches, the upsets that they've pulled, how he embraces the community, his personality, his, his pop culture references. He's a good dude. Like, he put football aside. Who doesn't want to sit down and have a beer with that guy? Who hasn't run? I have never, not one time, heard of a bad experience somebody's had with Dino Babers, like in the community, ran into him at Wegmans. I mean, people talk. You hear stuff. I ran into that guy. What a jerk he was, right? Not one time. The kids he brings in are, for the most part, good kids. You know, he's got a hundred football players. Somebody can, you know, kind of, you know, go off the, you know, just kind of go off, and and not everybody's perfect here. But academically, they do well, and you just don't hear about nonsense with this team. They bring in good kids and good people. I'm going to get into with what Wildhack said. We're not going to cheat, even in an era, frankly, when he probably could and get away with it. We're going to do it the right way as best as we can. That is admirable because we know. How many programs out there that don't do it that way? So what I mean by this, if this doesn't work, what's going to? Now, you can't just, like, give up. It's a big-time major Division One ACC college football program with a, one of the best histories in the sport in, in certain realms. You know, the first African-American Heisman Trophy winner and the best player that ever played the game. I mean, you guys know the history of Syracuse football. You don't need me to tell it to you. Man. They have tried pretty much everything in the last 20 years. And if this doesn't work, like it's a big exhale. Like, man, what's going to? People want Dino Babers to succeed. This is about people. It's about connections. It's about believing in something. So when the cold, hard truth of it comes in, it makes people uncomfortable. And they hear terms like hot seat. And they're like, oh, you can't say that. You kind of have to. Both can be true, right? But I think that's where a lot of that apprehension comes from. People like Dino. I like Dino. I like him a lot. I want him to succeed. But I cannot let that cloud my judgment about what the situation is. And again, let me reiterate here. He can get off the hot seat. But if you don't think he's on it, I don't know what to tell you. 
you just look at it objectively and you don't think like, oh boy, then your judgment is clouded. You're biased in some way. You work for the university. And I'm not saying these are bad things. It's just people have personal connections. They can't see things. I have biases. I have personal connections. I have things that I cannot see because I can't look at it objectively. This I can look at objectively. This I can look at fairly. This I can look at because I owe it to you to do that and say, of course he's on the hot seat. Wild Hat can say he's not all he wants, but he is, right? Like, I don't think he gets to just go to a press conference and say, he's not on the hot seat. Well, I'm glad we got that covered. Everybody have a great summer. No, like, he kind of is. So why kind of tiptoe around that? Let's just call it what it is. Wild Hack said that a few times at his presser yesterday, which, again, let me reiterate, I think he said a lot of great things yesterday. I would encourage you to watch the whole thing. It's on YouTube. It's on the Accuse uh, YouTube page. Go watch it. He had said a lot. I'm, I got a column coming out tomorrow that is about somewhat about football, but really more about the big five programs and some things that John said there. And I think he said a lot of encouraging things there that Syracuse fans were like, okay, there we go. So that's what happens when you have these press conferences. Typically, one or two things gets honed in on. There was a lot of big things said there, but the biggest thing said, remember, was not a question from us, us being the media. It came from him. So, and I'll end on this note because we have to break. He's thinking about it. He may not think he's on it, but he's thinking about it because he's the one that termed it that way. So there you have it. Uh, we got to get to a break. Before we do, though, our friend Mike from Lee Baldwin and Company, hanging by, being patient, listening through my ramblings there to tell us what happened on the markets today. What's up, Mike? How you doing, bud? Oh, there you are, Mike. Sorry, I had the wrong button turned up there. Now we got you. No problem. We had a flat day. We had the Dow eked out a small gain, up about a quarter of a percent. The S&P closed almost dead flat, as did the NASDAQ. We did have a nice time in General Mills, reported better than expected earnings. They raised their dividend. And I know you've been eating your cocoa puffs lately because cereal sales were very strong. <laughs> And that stock closed at an all-time high, up around $75 a share. Our dog was Carnival Cruises, closed at a multi-year low, under $9, down 14% for the day. Morgan Stanley downgraded the stock with a $7 target and threw out the possibility that bankruptcy was a possibility in the future. So nothing good for Carnival today. And there you have it. More of a Honey Nut Cheerios guy, by the way. Well, I think that's... uh, that's one of General Mills products as well, yeah. I believe, Brent. There you go. I was glad to contribute there. I'm glad you did I'm contribute glad, well. Glad I helped the stock. I have to buy some of that stock. I'll give you a call on that. The amount of Honey Nut Cheerios I've been eating lately, I should be cashing in on that. Thank you, sir. It's our good friend Mike from Lee Baldwin and Company. We break. We come back around the block. ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back, friends. Great to have you here on the block, ESPN Radio. QSportsTalk.com, of course. Hello, Josh. How are we doing? Now I'm dreaming of, of the dumpster. Uh, we were talking during the Q Sports Talk break. Um, we did, uh, a mission both Josh and I are on is to get rid of stuff. 
too much stuff. You get to a point, you know, we were talking to the great Eric McLean earlier, who's, you move when you move, mm-hmm. in particular, you just, like, you realize how much crap you have. So much. It's ridiculous. Like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm someone is going to come in and make an episode of Hoarders. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not that bad. But, like, I was down in the basement the other day, working out, and I'm just looking around, like, in this little exercise room, we have, like, there is just stuff in here, and it's gotta go. The worst is, and I feel like everyone has this one relative where you go to their house and they're just like such a hoarder that they still have their child stuff from forty yeah. something years ago, and there's you just so much it. there, and it's like, why is this all here? You want to save some stuff, but like, and that's the thing. Like, my daughter is now she's fifteen. And all the stuff that surrounds me in the basement is like all the stuff she played with when she was like four, five, six. And we kept some of it because my niece comes over sure. a couple times a year and she's at that age. Uh-huh. So like, you know, she can get more use out of that stuff. But man, like how much of it do you really need to save? Right. Right? Like just priority. Uh, don't they? They have like shows on Netflix, right? Where people come in and they just like clean your house. I, can I get on that show, please? I did not know that was a show. Anyway, sorry. Oh, yeah, that's that's a whole thing. Anyway, sorry about my ranting <laughs> there. But but what made me think of it, too, was I said it right before we came back from the Q Sports Talk break. About 70% of it is dog toys and dog stuff. I don't know why through the years. Like, my wife has, I love you, honey, but she has a problem. Like, every time she comes home <laughs> from the pet store, there's another squeaky stuffed animal that the dog will play with for five minutes and never play with again. Just, we need to stop this. Gotta provide for the dogs. It's the robot dogs for the blind side. Maybe we do need the robot dog. Robot dog doesn't need toys. Doesn't need stuff. Exactly. Needs to plot my demise. Anyway, what do you Now do we have you in on the robot dogs? No. We'll we'll get there. Maybe I'm leaning that way. Um, How long until Mike Trout asks out of Anaheim? You know, I feel like we're getting closer to that. We really are. Feel like we're getting there. I mean, you saw the video last night. I did. God bless him for being so loyal and not being a prima donna and not doing everything he can to. You can. I mean, how many playoff games he played in? He's played in one playoff series, which they lost. We got Trout and Otani, and year after year, it feels like okay, this got to be the year that team actually makes a run. But does it? And. A player of Trout's caliber. I mean, this guy is one of the best players in the history of baseball. Yeah. Just lost in this purgatory where he would never pass the mom test. I think a lot of people would run into Mike Trout at a coffee shop and be like, oh, that guy works out. Like, But well, it would be like, holy just, crap, that's Mike Trout. He's also just a, like, boring Yeah, he, exactly. You know? He, he just contributes wants to, play to ball. that. He just wants to play baseball. I just want to play ball. But, yeah, it's kind of time for him to go somewhere else. I'll take him. I wouldn't mind it. Mike Trout in New York would be amazing. It would be pretty cool. It would be amazing. He's from Jersey. Uh-huh. Or Philly, right? South Jersey. South Jersey. So he's he's a, a Jersey fan. kid. So oh. I, I think we need to speak that into existence. Maybe, maybe. Moving on. Uh, what happened to Imani Bates? I don't know. That's, that's, that's a 30 for 30 waiting to happen. So mm-hmm. Imani Bates... Committed to Eastern Michigan, Eastern Michigan today, right? Yes. Formerly coached by the great Rob Murphy, now with the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, what happened to that guy? 
It's a rhetorical question. Wasn't he like one of the top recruits? Like, could have gone anywhere he uh-huh. wanted. He was like super hyped up in like ninth grade. What happened? How does one end he up in Eastern Penny Michigan? Hardaway. Someone needs to do a good story about that. It's terrible. Moving on. The lesson um, is don't trust Penny Hardaway. Exactly. Um, what are you looking forward to the most about NBA free agency this year? What am I looking forward to the most? I'm always amused by they paid that guy that much. <laughs> so, uh, Jalen Brunson? Or is there another name who's going to take that award this year? I feel like that's the front runner because the Knicks are doing everything they can to get in position to sign this guy, and I feel like they probably will. But what if they don't? It's not that would a guarantee. Be bad. That it's would not be really a guarantee bad. you get this guy. I mean, I'm sure they've got inroads to feel like that's why we're doing what we're doing here. That would be very amusing if the Knicks screw it up again. That'd be pretty nice. But it's just the annual, like, what? You paid that guy how much? Mm-hmm. And then there's always the one guy who probably does deserve around that money who signs for, like, $5 million. Shout out to O'Shea Brissett, who got a contract when they picked up his option, right? Now, I say only. I would take this. $1.8 million. So there's a lot of guys just getting ridiculous money out there. I'll huh? sign for that. My guy's still scratching by. I'll sign for that. Below the league minimum. Oh, I take it. Oh, yeah. But uh, speaking of making the Pacers, a lot of money. Good for him. Speaking of making a lot of money, will you be tuning into Live Golf tomorrow? No. Is That's it even hard? On, no. Is it even on TV? It's not. It's on YouTube. No. And Facebook. Now, there's a little more intrigue because uh, they're in the good old U.S. of A now. Uh-huh. Portland. Did you see the teams, by the way? The DK's Green has arrived. The Green Tour is here. Stacked. DJ, I don't remember exactly who it was on DJ's team, but they gave him, like, I think it was him, Gooch, and two others, but they gave him a really good team. I don't know how they decide the teams. But so we're in Oregon, right? Portland, Oregon, yes. Pumpkin Patch, I think it's called, or something like that. Pumpkin Ridge, I believe it is. Sounds right. There you go. Uh, but the answer is no. All right. Last question I for you. I will happy watch. Um, I'll inevitably see clips on Twitter or something, but I'm not like going to pull up the screen. Okay. Not Last question for you. What's the draft tomorrow? All right. So we've got two good contenders for the draft tomorrow. Remind me your idea. Baseball walk-up songs. I think that's going to be the one. I'll also just throw out like just best sports games you've ever seen. Keeping it real. Keeping it simple. Get we real have, we haven't done that one? I don't think so. Now, not that the draft needs like a in a recent event to do it. Not that anything this week would roll into that. But yeah, just the best games you've ever seen. Yeah. I was just thinking about that. I don't know like I think I know what number one would be. I don't know how like the rest of the list would go. I feel like we were discussing this a bit yesterday. The walk-up songs one is really fun, but that's got to be like well-produced. See, that's the thing. It's gonna take a lot of effort. I'll put in the effort. I'm excited. Are you to committed? Put in the effort are you one. are you excited and committed to putting the effort? Now again, we might have to bend the rules a little bit. Not that the the draft is the blind side and it's completely a surprise, but we right. like the, obviously the draft to be a bit of a surprise. We might have to bend the rules there and have like a running list of songs or, so or, we can go to them. Or we get someone uninvolved with the draft to, to produce that. For like, yeah, we, each of us give that person a list of like five songs. So right. at least we have some sort of 
And see that, but then see, then we'd have to have that impartial impartial person run the board. So I can't see I them because if I see them, I'm usually the one who runs the board and plays the, the clips and stuff. I didn't think about that. I mean, we could just hmm. say what pick they're going to be and call the clip. Josh one, Brent one, Brent two, Josh two, Brent ah, three, Josh three. Now we're talking. And know which we're going to. So now we're talking. Determine what we're drafting before the draft and just don't tell. And each then other. say, okay, play Josh one. Yes. Ooh. All right, that's it. That's what we're doing. Okay, let's do it. I'm excited. Let's go. The draft tomorrow. We will draft the Mount Rushmore of walk-up songs. I'm now, excited these are- to see how many songs get drafted that either I draft that you don't know or that you draft that I don't know. These would be the walk-up songs we would use. That we would use playing Major as League Major baseball. League Baseball players. It's appropriate, by the way, we're doing Mount Rushmore because you have four at-bats. Right. Typically, right? Uh-huh. We're not. We're you not. You don't want to play best, the same song every time. We're not doing best individual player to go up with their walk-up song because number one pick would be Austin Hagey's "Care This Whisper," even though he stinks. I'm glad we settled this. That's the draft tomorrow. We got one more segment on this show. Stay right there.